Welcome back, Susas and Scrubs. Laura. Nicole. Hints of spring in the air. It's March. Days are getting longer, yep. Laura. Days are getting longer. Mm-hmm. Kind Thank of. God. We're actually recording this in January, so we're hoping that days, days are getting longer. Long. <laughs> I mean, God only knows. Yeah. We'll see what Who happens. Who knows what March is going to bring. Maybe the world will explode. Yeah. Gonna, the Kraken's going to be released. Who mm-hmm. knows what the fuck's going to happen. We'll see. All right. Hopefully there'll be some good Netflix to get me through whatever crisis is going to be narrowly averted in a couple of months. All right. So we're recording ahead of time because people are working. So, (laughs) all right. We got stuff to do. Right. So it's, this is coming out in March. So if we have references that make no sense, it's because it's recorded two months in advance. So this week we are covering a story brought to us by one of our readers, which we greatly appreciate. And... Whenever we do stories, we try to pair them. I don't know why, but that's what we do. So it's like <laughs> we have it's this like obsession with. It's like we're pairing a meal with a fine wine. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're having fish tonight. Let's get a lovely white. Mm-hmm. So somebody came up with the MGM fire, so we had to pair it with something else. Yes. So I'm going to cover the heart for the hospital fire, mm-hmm. but Laura's going to take it away first with fires and <laughs> what they do, yes. and then uh, we're going on to the. Yeah, MGM. I figured I'd give you a little. Information. We've done a fire episode before. My favorite. It's my, yes. that's my favorite episode. The coconut grove. Um, the coconut. I mean, not, it's no. This is no coconut grove. Let me just tell you that that was a labor of love for both of us. Yeah, coconut grove and the station. I yes. got fire. My favorite yes. episode. But we did do a fire before. This was we were asked to do this one. Right. Um, which I am really excited about because I've never heard of the story. I've never heard of either. Of I don't. And I lived through the eighties. How did I never hear I, of this? Right. I was alive. No, I mean, I was very small. But oh, settle down. I'm just saying. Okay. But you think I would have heard of it. I've never heard of this, no. so I'm kind of excited about it. So I figured with this one, we would go over what smoke inhalation does and why it's so bad. <coughs> First, just so you have a little background. Mm-hmm. So the number one cause of death from fires is... Smoke inhalation. Smoke inhalation. It accounts for 50 to 80% of fire deaths. Smoke is a mixture of heated particles and gases. So nothing you should nothing be breathing in. No, it's like a big cigarette. Yep. Damage to the body from smoke inhalation occurs by, one, simple asphyxiation, which means the combustion... You just simply lay down and die. (laughs) The combustion uses up all the O2 in the air. Oh. So it it leads to your death because there's no O2 to breathe. Um, Fire's awful greedy. Yeah. Or the smoke contains products that take up the space that is needed for O2 in your body, like um, carbon dioxide takes up all the space that oxygen normally would in your body. Um, two is chemical irritation. That is when the combustion makes a chemicals that damage your tissue. Okay. Or it can cause, or and. Um, like in the cause, Rhode Island fire when all that. Yeah, that all that foam. Stuff, yeah, it yeah. created some kind of toxic gas mm-hmm. or something. And, yeah. And it's, um, they can cause swelling, airway collapse, and respiratory distress. And then there's, the third way is chemical asphyxiants, which Fires can produce compounds that interfere with the body's O2 use at a cellular level. Okay. So they can't, it can't absorb it in. Right. So if the delivery of oxygen or the use of oxygen is dis- disturbed, the cells die. So then you have your cells dying you instead of your dying. Um, symptoms of smoke inhalation are cough, shortness of breath, hoarseness, noisy breathing, red eyes, um, skin color change. You can go from pale to blue to cherry red. Cherry red is You're carbon talking. monoxide. Yeah. yeah. Um, soot near the mouth and nostrils. Blech. Headache, nausea, vomiting, confusion. That's usually from carbon carbon mm-hmm. monoxide. Well, you'll be cherry red as well. And mental status changes because you're not getting oxygen. Um, tests they'll do are chest X-ray, um, 
a pulse oximeter, which they put that little sticker on your finger and see how much oxygen is in your blood. Uh, a CBC, a BMP, which checks the change in um, your pH, okay. which can happen because of the interference with the O2 diffusion, um, transport or use. Um, a blood gas, an arterial blood gas, which also tells you your pH level, your oxygen level, all that stuff. Um, a carbi- carbo... Carboxyhemoglobin <laughs> and hemoglobin. Methemoglobin levels. Methglobin. <laughs> Methglobin on meth. Yes. Methemoglobin. Okay. Meth- <laughs> levels. These are levels they're going to take if they think you were in a fire. Yeah. Um, treatment is oxygen. They can give it to you through a nose cannula, a mask, or they can intubate you up, which means put a tube down your throat. Um, if you're a horse, they're going to intubate you. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're in respiratory distress or mental status changes, they will intubate you. If you're a horse, that's like the first sign that your airway is swelling and they don't want it to right. swell to the that point where they can't intubate right. you in the future. Um, they can do a bronchoscopy, which they put a little teeny scope down your mm-hmm. throat. And it's really gross because it's into... full of like mucus and shit. Yeah. And all you can hear is... They it's look... it out. Yeah, it's gross. Mm-hmm. Um, they look in to see... What damage has been done to your airway and your lungs, and they they can re- remove debris and secretions with the bronchoscopy. Um, they can do hyperbaric oxygenation. That is for carbon monoxide poisoning. Um, hyperbaric oxygenation is this like machine they put you mm-hmm. in, and they compress you. Yes, and it pushes like all the crap out, and, and then all the slowly oxygen. they bring you back in, and slowly they bring you like they'll do it for um, scuba divers when they get the yes. bends. When they come up too fast. So yeah. you're in this compression chamber right. and they're giving you O2 and right. yeah, the to get all the other stuff out. Yeah. Um, and that, um, and that can cause the compression chamber can cause a reduction in symptoms of the nervous system. So that's what they're treating right. mostly with that. So that in a nutshell, it's no joke when you're in the hyperbaric chamber. No, you're serious. Something's you're going in a on bad. Chamber. Something's pretty bad. Um, so that's the gist of smoke inhalation. It sounds like whatever. If you see but someone coming out of a building with soot near their mouth or nose, mm-hmm. or they're coughing, they're talking like I am right now, they they need treatment. You need treatment if you have any smoke inhalation. Did I ever tell the my EMT fire story mm-hmm. in January? My January fire story when I was like nineteen. Did I ever tell the story on the podcast? Mm-hmm. Well, if I did, you hearing it again? Okay. Okay. So when I was like nineteen. I was an EMT. Mm-hmm. It's January. It's freezing, freezing, freezing cold. This will all go with the smoke inhalation. Okay. It's freezing cold out, and I'm at a house fire. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And the house is the second house up from the top of a very, very steep hill. Mm-hmm. So the EMTs, you're just sitting there waiting for somebody to come Pass up and come smoke. Yeah. So you're waiting. You're sitting in your warm truck, and you're waiting. Knock on the door, look out. There's a firefighter standing there. He's covered in ice. Like, it's <gasps> icicles are coming off of him. He's Because co- it's freezing yeah. cold out and they're covered in water. He's like, we got a firefighter. He's got some smoke inhalation. We need you to come down. I'm like, all right. So, yeah, I'm skinny. I'm cute. I'm 19 years old. I throw the oxygen bank on, tank on my back. And he's like, okay, it's really icy. I'm like, okay, it's icy. He's like, no, it's really icy. I'm like, got it. It's icy. Got it. Got what you're throwing at me. It's icy down here. I can I can see. Mm-hmm. I go bebopping down over to the fire. I step on the hill. My feet go off from under me. I land on my ass. 
I, it's like I'm on a sled. I am <gasps> screaming down the hill. Whew, and I've got bags. I can't even break my fall because I'm carrying one bag and one. I'm flying down the hill. I don't know where this gigantic firefighter reaches over and stops me from screaming down into Broadway, Chelsea. Oh, God. <laughs> I was mortified, yeah. needless to say. I bounce up just in time as the Chelsea reporters here taking pictures. <laughs> I was like, thank God my boss didn't just see me on my ass flying down there. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I guess, guess it's icy, guys. Guess it's icy. You could have told me. So we had to take a firefighter to the hospital for smoke inhalation. Mm-hmm. And he did thank me in July when he we picked up backboards. He's like, hey, you're the one who uh, went screaming down the hill, right? <laughs> He's like, you saved my life. I didn't save your life, dude. I didn't save it. I gave him a thing of oxygen and took him to the wind. That's not saving no, my life. No, going to the no not saving anyone's life. Going All right. So no that, that's my story that that's going to take us off into our fires here at the yes. MGM. All right. So I'm doing the MGM fire. This was a write-in. Mm-hmm. A request, if you will. A request. I hope I do it justice. Laura's very thorough, so we gave it to Laura. I really hope I do it justice. It was a lot. Okay. I had I never... I can't believe this. Okay. Now, which one is the MGM? That's not the pyramid one. No. So the MGM now is not this MGM. Because it burnt to the ground. No, because they <laughs> rebuilt it. But okay. then they switched places. Someone else owns this now. I think it's Bally's is actually where this MGM okay. was. All right. And MGM is at a different spot. Okay. So the building I'm talking about is currently Bally's. All right. So we're going to have to put that picture up so I can yeah. look at it. I might Google it while you're... Yeah. Um, so on November 21st, 1980, a tile crew supervisor noticed a flickering light at a little after 7 a.m. Just saw a flickering light. Where is this flickering light? I'm going to get there. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, you know how I want my details. I know. This right. flickering 1980, light. FYI, I was like six. So this is why I don't remember it. <laughs> I had just turned a year old. Okay, so mm-hmm. I was like six. Mm-hmm. Um, so this flickering light, it was fire in the walls. That started in a pastry case in the deli restaurant. Bizarre. Mm-hmm. The deli restaurant was located on the first floor of the casino along the casino floor. So, you know, you have all the big open thing with all the machines yep. and the tables. And this is like along yep. the floor. Because you could eat your pastries while you handle them. Right. MGM security was immediately called and they called the Clark County Fire Department. Uh, the fire department received the call at 717 a.m. The first engine arrived at MGM Grand at 7.19. Two minutes like later. Like two minutes later, yeah. yeah. A third alarm was struck at um, 7.22 a.m. A Metro Police helicopter pilot requested all available helicopters at 7.30. North Las Vegas Fire Department, Las Vegas Fire and Rescue, Henderson Fire Department, Nell's Air Force Base all responded. Wow. That's a lot of fucking mm-hmm. firefighters. This fire had been smoldering in the wall unnoticed for hours. <gasps> Oh, the refrigerator. This is bad. Yeah, the refrigerated case had been placed like post construction mm-hmm. of the hotel, which opened in seventy three. So the, the co- year I was born. Oh, see, we're, we're close. To this. Um, the cooling unit was located outside. Usually in a pastry case, the cooling unit's like in the bottom of yeah. it. This cooling unit's located outside of the building or outside of the mm-hmm. restaurant. Um, so they had a run. They ran the copper tubing that goes from the case to the refrigeration unit. Through an outlet that already existed to hook it up. This sounds bad. There's wiring in this outlet because it's like bad. an electrical outlet. Yeah, so let's put copper tiling mm-hmm. through it. Okay. Um, as the copper heats and cools, it moves. So when the hot, when the copper is like, you know, when the refrigerator yeah. is asking for more cold air, more cold air is coming through. The tube's getting cold. Mm-hmm. It probably shrinks, right? Mm-hmm. And then when it's not pumping in, it gets warmer and it expands. As it's doing that, it rubs against the electrical wires. 
And it's been doing this over a significant amount of time. this was a good idea? I don't know. So over time, they wear down the electrical wires. And one day, they rob and spark. And that was November 20th, 1980. Wow. The fire spread through the first floor of the casino at a speed of 15 to 19 feet per second. <gasps> so wait, so it's smoldering for these hours and then it just takes off. Yes. Okay. When he sees it, he can see now see a fire. You know, because okay. it's in the wall and now he can see it. Coming, out, coming of out of a wall. And now it's gone. Gone. 15 to 19 feet per second. Wow. It erupted into a massive fireball at the main entrance and like out onto the strip. Every fucking story. It erupts into a massive fireball <laughs> and blows up the whole place. Like, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. It took six minutes from the time the fire was noticed for the entire casino floor to be completely engulfed. Holy shit. There were no sprinklers on the casino floor. <gasps> mm-hmm. Because of an exemption from rules, always an exemption from rules, requiring sprinklers in areas occupied 24 hours a day. So if you have people... It shouldn't so, matter! Mm-hmm. This is now... It know. Clearly they learned nothing from the Coconut Grove. Clearly. I know. Well, they, that's way in Las Vegas. They didn't hear about us. So they had... Um, so if, if... Like a casino floor. You know, there's always people mm-hmm. on a casino floor. Yeah. So people are there 24 hours a day. They didn't need to have sprinklers. Why? Like, the thought was you didn't I, need them because someone would notice a fire. Well, they did, but it was too fucking light. <laughs> um, FYI, the deli was no longer in a 24-hour restaurant. So nobody's in there. No one's in there. The fire was contained to just the casino floor and restaurants because there were sprinklers elsewhere. Yeah. And um, they worked and did yeah. what they were supposed to. Especially in the money counting room. Oh, well, the, the most protected more important room. than the people. Yeah. The most protected room in the casino, yeah. the yeah. money counting room. Fuck the people. Let's just yeah. keep the money. For years, the resort refused to add a second fire hose in the showroom, and it only corrected 20% of the fire safety violations that had been discovered in April of 1980. Mm. 18 people died on the casino <gasps> level of the hotel. Oh. Although the fire is put out, the smoke, smoke and toxic fumes rose through the hotel tower. Oh. There was no outlet for the smoke on the casino floor. And because of faulty smoke dampers within the ventilation duct network, the resort's ventilation system pumped the smoke throughout <gasps> the building. <gasps> and it continued to operate through the ordeal. So the this AC is pumping. This is a really bad recipe for disaster. Yeah. So this AC is you know, yeah. broken, so it, it can't stop the smoke from going in, and it just keeps going. No one's shutting off the AC, so it's just pumping. thinking that, yeah, yeah it's going it's, into all these rooms. Right. Pumping the smoke. What time of night was this? Like, 7 o'clock? 7 in the morning. 7 in the morning. So people are people sleeping. People sleeping. Yeah. Um, smoke filled the switchboard room, forcing the operators to flee after only being able to alert the people on the casino floor of the fire. Okay, so let's just explain a switchboard is for all you oh, people after... It's like certain, the operator. Yeah, like you had a, a big board, and they would click phones into it so they couldn't alert anybody because they couldn't click the phones over well because they had to leave the yeah. room they, it was like they could get enough i'm sure then it was probably not a board actually but right phones but um they they had to leave so quick they could only call call the floor to tell them they told nobody in the hotel um the so people in the hotel they have no idea that any of this is happening the elevator shafts were located directly above the restaurants so the smoke spread up the shafts immediately. The fire doors and the stairwells were automatically locked when closed, except on the roof and the first floor. So you can't get out them? Or you can't get out of the If stairwell. you're in the stairwell, you can't, get, you out. can't get out unless you're on the first floor or the roof. Holy shit. And how many floors are we talking? Um, you know what? I don't... Six... Mm, a lot. A lot. 
like 30 something too many to climb in a smoke filled stairwell yeah um so someone had propped open some doors previously because like for easy access so they i don't know if they were going from the 19th floor to the 18th floor to go see their friend they left the fire door open so they could just walk up and down instead of waiting for the elevator that also accelerated the spread of the smoke because now it's going up the stairwells and then it's coming out the yeah. door that's open going onto that floor. Um, the spread of the smoke through the vertical shafts of the building caused most of the deaths. So you have 5,000 people in the casino slash hotel yep. that morning. 85 people were killed and 650 guest employees and 14 firefighters were injured. Wow. 61 of the deaths were on the upper floors of the hotel, floors 19 through 24. Most of the deaths occurred in the stairwells because the doors were locked, except for the roof and the casino floor. Wow. Firefighters remembered crawling through the dark smoke over mounds of stuff. Yeah, people. They found out later the stuff were bodies of guests and staff near an elevator bank. Oh. Probably because um, there was not an automatic return on the elevators to the main floor during a fire. So, like, during a fire, if you this are place, on it, with all of this money, they uh-huh. couldn't fix this place? If you're in a fire, you know, if you're in an elevator on a fire, pretty much everywhere is supposed to have an automatic, it goes to the ground level. Right, for the firefighters. For the firefighters, so they can use it. This did not. So these people are stuck. They're stuck in the elevator. They're stuck waiting for the elevator and it's not coming because it's not going anywhere. And it's full of smoke. Yeah. Um, Ten people were found dead in an elevator. Oh. Fire ladders only reached the ninth floor. Mm-hmm. This is a continuing problem yes. with things. Yes. People hung bed sheets off the balconies to alert firefighters that they were there. Some tried to climb down the exterior using the bed sheets. One guest used a rope to escape the hotel tower. People trapped in their rooms broke windows open to get fresh air, but it only brought all the toxic bad smoke outside Closer, the window yes. and now into the room. So it was just worse. Um... A construction worker used scaffolding to evacuate some people who had escaped through their windows. Like, quick thinking, right. like, let me bring this over and come down. Like, part of it was under construction. Helicopters rescued 1,000 people from the roof. Wow! Yep. 75 people. We couldn't get them to rescue that many in Katrina, but they could do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, they had that, the Air Force Base, yeah, they had and they have, like, all the tourist yeah. helicopters and stuff. Um, 75 people died from smoke inhalation and carbon monoxide poisoning. Four from just smoke inhalation, three from burns and smoke inhalation, one from burns alone, and one from head trauma after jumping from a high window, and one from myocarditis, which is an inflammation around your heart. Um, Two refrigerated semi-trailers were set up as temporary morgues. The MGM was rebuilt over eight months at a cost of $50 million. It would have cost $192,000 for them to have added the required sprinklers. Before the fire. Um, it also caused, like, all this, all these problems for the um, Las Vegas, um, like, the money in Las Vegas. Like, the revenue and stuff went down, and it caused, like, because they weren't making money, they weren't paying, like, taxes into Vegas, so, like, Vegas lost money because of this fire. It was, like, a gazillion dollars right. worth of problems. Um, when it reopened in July 1981, it had... 30,000 sprinklers everywhere. It had four sprinklers in every hotel room. Um, it had an automatic fire alarm system, two computer monitoring systems, one which was a backup to the computer monitoring mm-hmm. system, 
8,000 speakers, so fire safety instructions could be provided to guests if there was a fire. The air conditioning system was overhauled to prevent smoke from entering guest rooms. Thank God. Um, huge exhaust fans were added to um, rid the hotel of fumes within 10 minutes. Why do so many people have to die before I know, they do before this? any of this is done. So these have these huge fans that will literally take all the bad right. toxic fumes out within 10 minutes. Um, a fire safety program was played on TVs in hotel rooms. And I forget, there was some like, it was like a big actor or somebody that did it, mm-hmm. like represented the fire safety thing. And hundreds of lawsuits were brought against oh, As they should have been. Yeah, for $2 billion. <gasps> wow. Mm-hmm. 81 days after the MGM fire, a fire broke out at the Las Vegas Hilton and killed eight people. Wow. Mm-hmm. There was that I can't m- stop saying wow. Major reform of the fire safety guidelines and codes. So when they when they were saying um when there was like stuff brought about about like what the MGM had to do like before the fire what need, needed to be fixed when they are somebody's like well you know like they can't fix every problem and blah 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 it's not like that big like he kind of like played Pushed it off. off. When the fire mm-hmm. marshal or whoever brought it up to him, like, they need to fix this stuff. They're not in code. And he was like, well, I mean, what do you want them to do? Fix everything? Vegas mean, run by the mob. Yeah. So, huge reform of the fire safety guidelines and codes. All buildings open to the public in Nevada are required to have fire sprinklers, smoke detectors in rooms and elevators, and exit maps in all hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, the law went into effect in 1981, like, immediately. And that's the story of the MGM fire. That's a story. Isn't that crazy? I've never heard of that. And it's always, we always say this, but it's literally always something like, there's this, and then this, and then yep. this, and then this, Why and then they, this, and then this, and then this. people have to die yeah. for this to become an issue? Right. You know, like, can't they just get their shit together? Right. It's awful. Wow. Yeah. Well, we paired it with the fine wine mm-hmm. of the Hartford Hospital fire. Mm-hmm. So. Never, again, I never. Heard. Well, I was doing research for something else. And this came up. Okay. And I was like, file. We should do the Hartford Hospital fire. So we're going to do it today. Okay. Which I didn't even know there was a Hartford Hospital. I thought <laughs> it was just yelled down there. Okay. Hartford Hospital. It was founded in 1854. Wow. And it claims to be one of the largest teaching facilities in New England. Really? That must be behind the Brigham, yeah. MGH, the BI, and all the other teaching facilities yeah, that Boston has compared to there. And Yale. And Yale. Right. So, yeah. yeah I thought yeah. that was kind of funny. Yeah. But if you work at Hartford Hospital, don't get mad at me. I just, I'm kind of surprised you have one of the largest teaching facilities in New England. <laughs> so it's an 867 bed hospital. It's not changed much since 1961. I mean, that's pretty big though. 867 yeah, it's a beds. it's decent yeah. size. So December 8th, 1961, 1.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. Hartford Hospital. Mm-hmm. Nurses, they're on the floor. They're in their white uniforms. Yeah. They got their white they tights. Cats on. They got their... Each one's wearing a cap from their specific school mm-hmm. they went to. Some of the nurses might be on break in the lunchroom or in a break room, smoking cigarettes, mm-hmm. having a cup of coffee. Because you could smoke in the hospitals at that time. Those were the days. Yeah, you smoke in the hallway, whatever. Patients are smoking in the hallways. Right. Everybody's smoking because it was so goddamn cold. All right. This is also the time, you know, the doctor enters the room. Nurses stand up. Yes, doctor. Right away, doctor. Whatever you need, doctor. Thank God. It was that not does not happen now. Time. I could never be a nurse if I had to stand up in these... Guys walking in a room. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're lucky if I acknowledge them now. Okay. So some nurses, they're on break, they're smoking. Whatever. It's 1 30. We're in the basement of Hartford Hospital right now. Okay. There's a janitor, Arthur La- LaFontaine. Mm-hmm. 
is walking by the trash cans that catch the trash that come from the trash chutes that go from the basement of the hospital up to the roof Mm -hmm. on the 13th floor. So we have chutes in our hospital similar to this for laundry. Yes. Each, so the chutes go from the top to the bottom and each floor has a door Mm -hmm. to these chutes. It's like an elevator. Yeah. And you can throw, in this particular chute, you're throwing garbage Mm -hmm. down it. They think all of this goes directly into the incinerator. Mm -hmm. The chutes have these doors that lead onto every floor. The op- uh, there's a little latch to keep the door closed. And on the door, it says, dry trash only for safety of incinerator attendant. Burnable waste only. Okay. Again, these people think it's going straight into the incinerator. So they're thinking because it goes straight into the incinerator that you can chuck cigarette butts down these chutes. Okay. Because right, what difference does it what make? What does it? It's all going in the incinerator. So Arthur's down there and he sees smoke coming from the inside of one of the chutes. He and some of the other guys, they're, they've seen a lot of trash fires before. They mm-hmm. see these things catch fires. So they get these long sticks and they'll pull the trash out from the bottom to get it out of there. Mm-hmm. They're doing this, but they're like, eh, it's not really working. So another guy, he goes upstairs and he gets a standpipe hose in the first floor and he puts it down the chute and he's trying to get water down that way. It's not working. Hmm. So when they see that this isn't working, one of them takes off and he goes to grab a supervisor. On the 12th floor, on the psych ward, a nurse sees thick smoke coming out of the chute. Okay. And she's like, that's not normal. Mm-hmm. That's that's a lot of thick smoke. So at 2.39, she pulls the fire alarm. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, and that's 2.39. She's like, mm, there's a lot of black smoke. She pulls it again at 2.41. <gasps> and she has an aide start cracking up, uh, taping up the cracks mm-hmm. around the, the chute to keep the smoke from coming up. At 2.41, a sprinkler in the chute is activated, and it sets off another third alarm. On the ninth floor, there's about 216 patients, because you would keep four patients to a room. Right. I can remember my brother being in the hospital. He was like nine, so this would have been like 80, 81, and four to six people in a yeah, room. Yeah, like the ward. fucking the, nightmare. Yeah. Oh, my was, God. Like, can you imagine trying to sleep? No. With six other people? I can't imagine people? when you just have one other person. Right, everybody's now. coming in and getting checked. Oh, what a nightmare. <sighs> no. So there's four people to a room. The nursing supervisor, she sees like this big puff of smoke come out of the chute. She's like, huh, that's kind of weird. And she immediately starts closing the fire doors. Mm-hmm. So it's the ward is like wings. So you have a south wing, east wing, west wing, north wing. She's closing the doors to the wings so keeping trying to keep the central core mm-hmm. free so she starts doing all this and she's ordering all the other staff to start closing doors to the patient's rooms mm-hmm. the nurses that start going down they're shutting doors and they're going down and when they get to the end of the corridor they're shutting themselves in the patient's rooms with them because they can't really get back down the corridor and you'll okay. hear why so they're going down and those who get down to the end of the south corridor they shut themselves down into the patient's rooms on the ninth floor, they hear an explosion, mm. and the chute door flies across. Like, it landed two rooms away in a oh. bathtub. That's how big this explosion is. The it's when What happens is as soon as the door explodes, it sucks all the air in, or mm-hmm. it was sucking air in, and it blew out the ninth floor door. Mm-hmm. So when it explodes, it the pressure sucked some of the patient door shut. Okay. But now it's like... Somebody describes it as um, a flamethrower coming out of the chute, and it's hitting the ceiling tiles. Oh, God. 
One doctor said he was having a normal day, and in 40 seconds, a sheet of flame was roaring down the corridor. Flames are reaching so that it's setting all of the tiles on the ceiling on fire. So now flames are reaching three to four feet down from the ceiling. Oh, my God. All right. The flames, they immediately ignite these signaling tiles. And the tiles are made of cane fiber, which is secured to rock lath plaster. Mm -hmm. They were fire resistant when they were put up. But we're going to give them years ago. Well, like, yeah, I think it was redone in 1944 this way. But they're going to give it a fresh coat of paint, which is normal paint, which now you're no longer fire resistant. Mm -hmm. Lights it up. The tiles catch fire, and they're dripping onto the linoleum wainscoting, which is like oh, halfway on. up the walls as wainscoting. It's highly flammable. Now the walls have caught fire, and it's pretty fucking quick that this is going. The temp of the fire reaches about 12,000 degrees Oof. Fahrenheit. Smoke is so black, you can't see anything mm-hmm. on this floor. Hospital staff, somehow they form a line, and they're passing patients down the hall, one person to another to the stairwells to try to evacuate wow. these patients. Because even though this is going on, the staff is not stopping. They're doing everything they can mm-hmm. to help these patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, one doctor, Norman Hedenstad, he races to the ninth floor to help rescue patients. He's passing charred bodies as he's getting uh-huh. up onto the floor. He begins closing his doors, and he's doing it so fast he actually loses a shoe. <laughs> but he eventually succumbs to the fire, and he dies oh. trying to help these patients. Another doctor, he shoves three patients into the room. The doors they have, they describe these latches, but the latches, it latches the door shut, but they're easily pushed open. It was so the nurses could get in and out quick, it would mm-hmm. be quieter. So he pushes the patients into the room and he's holding the door shut on the other side because the fire, the pressurization from the fire causes doors to blow open. Mm-hmm. So you had to stand on the other side and hold the door shut so the fire wouldn't blow into the room. So one guy's doing that. Now the fire department shows up. They raise the ladders up. Where do the ladders reach? Eighth floor? Just between the eighth and ninth floor, Laura. Like they did in the shirtwaist company fire, Mm -hmm. like they did in Vegas. But you've got this badass fucking firefighter, Richard Trejarian. He is in full turnout gear, Mm -hmm. minus masks. 1961. They're not wearing oxygen Mm -hmm. masks. Key point to the story. Okay. He leaps from the ladder oh my God. to the window on the ninth floor, full turnout gear, and he scrambles onto the ninth floor. Oh, my God. He immediately starts shouting at everybody to start wetting towels in the rooms, packing the doors with the mm. towels, and doing all this. Meanwhile, the other firefighters are coming up with two-inch pipes, uh, oh. hoses, to the ninth floor. Ugh. Carrying in full turnout gear, carrying these yeah, things. That's... Okay. 1961, they're not wearing their masks. So once they get into the floor, they can only last like two minutes because they got to keep taking breaks, Mm -hmm. which they probably all died of cancer within five months of being a firefighter. In 15 minutes, the three alarm fire is under control. And in 30 minutes, it's completely extinguished. Firefighter Frank Downey says, quote, when it cleared, I saw there were bodies right at our feet near the elevators. There were bodies everywhere. In all, 16 people died from the ages of 14 to 87. In fact, one of the investigators, like, immediately starts investigating his niece was the 14-year-old pulled from the floor. Six die in their beds. Two died by the elevator. A kitchen aide dies. A couple of visitors, a nurse, and a doctor all perish in the fire. In 30 minutes, staff had been able to evacuate 108 patients to the 12th floor. Those who stayed in their rooms with the doors closed all survived. 
Later that day, 230 patients are discharged from the hospital to home. People who they like, they knew, yeah, you had a gallbladder out. Because back in 1961, you had a gallbladder out. You weren't for two fucking weeks. Right. So now they're like, you're fine, go home. And they're doing this so that they can make room for all the patients who were displaced from the fire. Mm-hmm. Immediately after, the trash and fire chutes are banned at the hospital. Mm-hmm. You're no longer allowed to use them. Because, like I said, they believed somebody threw a cigarette down this trash chute and that's what started the fire. If you have a hospital that kept the shoots, you were required them. And I was thinking, this is how ours are. You have to have them in a charging room. Yeah. So it's separate from corridors and hallways and anything mm-hmm. flammable. So if it blows open, you can shut that door and it can't, mm-hmm. it can't it's spread. It's not going anywhere right. else. Yeah. 11 days after the fire, New Haven hospitals banned smoking in the hospital hallway. I was going to say, yeah. you know what they should have banned? Yeah, was exactly. The they finally banned smoking in the hallway. Uh, hospitals re- were required, which it should have been required anyway, to build with non-combustible materials. Mm-hmm. Other hospitals began training maintenance workers to work as firefighting techniques. The doors and latches on... So in 1961, with those doors that were easy, they now come up with a new door. They mm-hmm. literally designed a new door specifically because of this fire. Because not only were the latches not good, but the thickness of the door... They said within 15 minutes, the door was only, almost completely burned through. So you needed a door that was going to withstand fire. Mm-hmm. So the new doors are more fire resistant and they have these curved latches that latch, but still make it easy for the nurses to get in and out. Mm-hmm. Many fire safety commissions with staff are created to make the hospital safer. Mm-hmm. Since 1961, no U.S. hospital has suffered a fire as devastating as the one at Hartford. And every year, Hartford Hospital will have a memorial service for those who died. In the Great Fire of 1961. And that is the hospital, Hartford Hospital Fire, which also led me to think that maybe we should do the Hartford Hospital, no, No. the Hartford Circus Tent Fire of 1944, (laughs) because that was mentioned in the two of these. We are now a fire podcast. Yeah, because the two of these uh, survivors of this fire were also survivors of the 1944 Hartford Circus Tent Fire. I'm like, wow, who knew of all these disasters? I think we should just be a disaster podcast, because I can't get enough of this shit. I know. So, I don't know what I... Like, there was once... I mean, we're talking years ago. I'm working with one specific neurosurgeon who was a fantastic surgeon, but he was a bit of a spaz. Mm -hmm. And he was very uptight and Mm -hmm. very nervous. And he Mm -hmm. liked to have his way and do what he wanted. And I'm scrubbed. And there's a call into the operating room from the charge nurse saying, we are not allowed to use anything electric. Do not turn anything on. Do not use the bovies, which are the electric cautery pencils. Don't do anything because there's a gas leak in the building. Oh, God. And we could explode. We are getting ready to start. I believe it was an emergency craniotomy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's like, fuck that. Give me the bovie. I said, I'm not giving you the bovie. Are you out of your mind? Mm-hmm. He's like, we have an emergency, sir. I'm like, use clips. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not giving you this bovie. Give me the bovie. I'm not giving you the bovie. I said, did you not hear this gas leak? He said, give me the bovie. I said, so help me God. If we blow up, I will haunt you for the rest of your days. For eternity, I will fucking haunt you. Do you understand? Fine. 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 We'll wait. And just, bovie, bovie. Like, we gotta go. We gotta go. He just was relentless till finally the chargers called and it was like, okay, we're clear. We can use it. I have never been so petrified. I'm like, he, he's, he's going to touch it. He's, he's going to blow it. us all up. I'm going to die because he's a moron. <laughs> oh. So on that note, yeah, here we are in March. Mm-hmm. Keep the vo- keep the stories coming because yes, that was please. a really good one. That was, was a good it one. Was it Jess that told us that story, I think? I, I, no, I'd if have it to is, If I have the name wrong, I apologize, but that was a really good story. Yes. And thank you for the um, tidbit. Yeah. And keep writing. Mm-hmm. We love your stories. 
keep recommending keep whatever you're doing keep it going because hopefully covid will be over maybe it's over already we don't know yet because we're recording in january mm-hmm. and we can actually have a night out and invite all our little listeners to yeah. it yeah, it would be fun have some booze wouldn't it be nice that to just like nice. dress up have a drink outside with more than two people yes i would love that that would be nice because i think we only have three listeners so you all are welcome to come <laughs> um <laughs> so thank you and we will talk to you soon bye bye Like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.